Welcome to the Indie Rugby Podcast Japan 2019 in association with Tudor Watch, the official timekeepers of the Rugby World Cup. I'm joined today by Samuel Lovett and Jonathan Liu of The Independent and one of our Irish cousins, shall we say, the Irish Independent, Rory O'Connor, joins us. Hello, everyone. Jack. Hello. Hello. And uh, <laughs> we've just come from a astonishing game, I think would sum it up quite well. England have just beaten New Zealand, you heard that right. They, they, New Zealand did score, but it was almost as close to perfect I've seen from a rugby team at a World Cup uh, that, that I think is possible. Where do we start, Johnny? I mean, we've already started. I mean, in, many ways, in many ways, it's a moot question. <laughs> I thought it was. It's, it's one of the most, uh, you know, in a year of remarkable sport, remarkable sporting stories, it's um, probably one of the most surprising things I've seen. And, you know, I'm including, you know, a Cricket World Cup final and, and, and a Headingley Test match, you know, and a Women's World Cup in that. It's, um, I think people... I, I, it's conceivable that England. A lot of you know, most people would have conceded that England could win that game, but I don't think many people would have seen them winning it like that. No, that, that dumb, you saw the All Blacks at the end absolutely flat out. They, they didn't know what had happened. They, they, they were shell shocked. Kieran Reid in that post-match press conference just kept going, disappointed, gutted, disappointed, gutted. He he didn't know what to say, and he looked like a, a deer in the headlights. And, Rory, you, you obviously saw Ireland last week and the All Blacks kind of did the same to, to Ireland, didn't they? And yeah, the All Blacks hit a, hit a point last week. I think the All Blacks went out last week thinking they were going to get a, a match of this, the significance that they got today and delivered a performance of unbelievable um, quality, really clinical, really powerful, and Ireland didn't show up. And a week later, when they actually needed that performance, they didn't have it. And England did, like, you know, go back to Fe- February 2019, England arrived in Dublin, scored a try within two minutes, Manitou Alagi, and Thunder, I think they, they won every collision that day. They were dominant in every aspect of the game. And they almost repeated that. You know, they kind of dusted off that plan and went again today. I mean, they only scored one try. They should have beaten, they should have won by 30, 40 points today. Yeah. I mean, they possibly should have nailed the All Blacks. I mean, they handed the one try they, 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 they did get, they handed them on a plate. Yeah. It was one of the great all time, or the all time great World Cup performances. Um, and from a team that two or four years ago went out in the pool stages, it's uh, it's quite a story. And, you know, Eddie Jones gets a lot, will get a lot of credit. I think Stuart Lancaster probably. Will feel quite satisfied today that the players that he trusted back then have delivered on the world stage, even yes. though he won't actually get much. Um, it was incredible. I mean, geez, I wouldn't like to be South African or Wales. No, Ed, Eddie said that quite a bit. He, he pays tribute to Lancaster's work and what he did with the players by bringing them in and gelling them. And you do think, well, do have to argue, would Lancaster have been able to draw that performance out of them though? Because I think Eddie definitely has changed what this team stands for. Uh, he's given them a new mentality and resilience. And Sam, you you covered New Zealand earlier in the tournament. You, you kind of saw the very best of mm. them against South Africa. I mean, how long ago does that feel? Yeah. But that resilience that used to be around the All Blacks, so they always find a way to win, completely deserted them today. Yeah, well, I mean, well, that was the point I was going to make. It was kind of a reversal in, in roles, really. Um, yeah, sort of England from the start there was a sense that they, they believed they believed it was capable um, and then sort of as, the, as the game went on England's resilience you know it was still there they weren't sort of taking a step back which is kind of what happens when you take on the All Blacks there might be an initial period of resistance resilience um, but you, it always snaps and the All Blacks always see through in this instance it was a case that from the first whistle to the last England's uh, mentality didn't waver and it was the All Blacks at the end who 
as Johnny said earlier, were sort of bro- broken and, and yeah, a little bit they battered. They just didn't quite believe what was happening. Yeah. Uh, should, should we talk about the hacker? Because I, I think that kind of really sized up the magnitude of this game when you saw England go. They never, they never respond to the hacker. They stand there. It's the English way, you know. Yeah, thank you. Challenge accepted. Off we go. I, I just felt that showed something different was on the cards. What, what did I you? I think they were just trying to get their heads a little bit. Um, I mean, I, I kind of wrote this in my in my piece from the game that it seemed like from from the very first minute, well, even even before the first minute, the whole game was based on a sort of kind of misdirection, like disinformation, like trying to almost get it, yeah, get into their heads, catch them on the hop a little bit, do something unexpected. And and I think this this sort of fitted into that a little bit. Um, I don't remember anybody ever getting into like a, a chevron, perfect chevron formation against the hacker before. And, and you know, they, they may well have, maybe it made no difference, but maybe they, they stood there and thought, hang on, what's going on here? Yeah. A little bit. And then suddenly it's kick off and boom, within 100 seconds they're 7 nil down. We had, um, we, we spoke to a few players downstairs, Rory. Um, we'll get we'll touch on uh, what the England players said in a minute, but Aaron Smith was possibly the the most interesting one that Owen Farrell was winking at him yeah. during the hacker. And uh, you just kind of think all the England players said to us, we, we, "We're not being disrespectful. We won't disrespect yeah, it." But that, that, was, that, was what, that was the parody line. Yeah, I mean, like the, it, it's, this, it's this, one this of those. Is, it's one of those things that, like, I mean, the Lions did it in all five. That they formed a massive big semicircle. And Ryan Driscoll picked up the piece of uh, grass and threw it over his shoulder. Two minutes later, it was being stretched off, and they've lost comprehensively it's not really about what you do in front of the hacker although it's great theater it's about what you do afterwards mm. and England backed up what they did today they were like, like it was an inverted flying V and they came out like, like a train afterwards and Marco Vinopolo said we had to back it up because we've seen other teams do it you know face up to it Ireland took a step forward last week it was the only time they went forward all day you know it was it was, uh, it was really like really impressive the way they started the game and they drew strength from the hacker, whereas New Zealand usually are the ones who draw strength from the hacker. I mean, it's, it is theatre at the end of the day, but it does give them a little bit of an advantage. Mm. And England took that away from them. And, and Farrell's just such an alpha male; like he's just such a dominant figure, and he just was obviously trying to own that moment in his own way. Am I right in thinking he was at the base of the V? He was the furthest away from from the All Blacks. Sure. I'd love to know what each and every one of them do. Sure like Joe Marler. I'm sure you could break it down. Yeah, Joe Marler was trying to walk around the back of him. You know, apparently he's paying the fine according to Mako. So yeah, get, yeah. get Will Greenwood to, to sort of, you know, to analyse it on his touch screen, <laughs> <on his> touch <laughs> screen console. <laughs> there you see, at the base of the Chevron, you've, you've got Farrell in the hole, in the slot. Um, <laughs> I like um, But I, I mean, is this like a whole new, maybe a whole, maybe a whole new tactical front in, in the game? Where, you know, are we going to see even wilder formations? Hard away for the figure of eight in Chicago when they beat them for the first time. Is it and, right? Yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's just died. They, they, oh, they, they his number. And then we had that Lions one. And we, but it was one in the 90s or the 80s where they rushed the hacker and they got yeah. beaten by about 50 points. But so do, like, do you remember the France one, 2011? They well, got fined for it. So yeah, yeah, they so went the, together as a beat, didn't they? Yeah, and you had one four years before that where Chabelle was right yeah. up in their faces and the Welsh uh, did their kind of stare off afterwards yeah. the beers got carried up and then oh, they got yeah. beaten they, they, got they didn't move as well. yeah. no, they were stood there for a you kind of can look you can be made up very stupid if you do these things and, and uh, do them wrong but um, I think I, I, want to, I want to see whether Greenwood got to do that that'd be, that'd be <laughs> a fine piece of journalism um, let's look at the England squad uh, they had a few injuries as well um, Owen Farrell basically played 50 minutes on one leg uh, with a dead leg that he picked up quite early on and then somehow made a 
try-saving tackle at the end, end of the first half on Jack Goodhue, which was quite incredible. Um, Johnny May limped off, dead leg as well. Uh, Carl Sinclair, he had his calf wrapped and I think there was one or two other knocks that they mentioned. I mean, England haven't had any injury issues and that's partly why I think they've been able to beat the All Blacks because their squad is still the squad that first flew out here. Do you reckon that's going to be quite a big problem for them for the final? Because not only will they need to back this up mentally, they'll need to pick themselves up again and get to that level, but physically, after that, it's going to be pretty hard. There's going to be a few sore bodies out there. But you look at the performances of those who came on off the bench, you know, so we were saying earlier about Dan Coles was immense, sort of stepping in into the fray, filling the shoes of Carl Sinclair. I think there is, there is so much depth in the England squad. And, you know, it is, it's only 80 more minutes now, one more game. And given the depth of the squad that England has, you would be confident that they can do the job that the normal starters would. Yeah. It's rare, like it's rare, almost impossible to, to get through like two months without you know a lot of you know knocks and niggles. And I mean, maybe it's why that you know a lot of World Cup finals are, are not generally classy games. Everybody's just kind of you know, knackered, running mm. on few, running on adrenaline, and you know patched up a little bit. Um, so this, this would be entirely, entirely in keeping with that, you know, after, what is it, two months and, and, and about as long in, in training camps, getting getting brutalised, you know, the, the bodies are going to be aching. Yeah, I, I think, crucially, all their key players seem to be okay. Yeah. I mean, maybe six. Like, if Farrell doesn't recover, that'd be a major issue. I think there yeah. are about five players that I can't afford to be without, but they look okay. You, you say the, the Vunapolas are crucial for them. Tuolagi and Mario Toje and then Farrell, Farrell, yeah. Farrell, yeah. Uh, but, Ford was really good today. Well, yeah, he has been. I know Eddie Jones said he wasn't dropped, but like he was obviously dropped. You know, like it, you know, yeah. I'm sure the I know, I know talking to players that they don't realize their th they haven't realized their thinking into the starters and finishers thing. But to bounce back in that way was just so impressive. And the first 15 minutes he had, he, they couldn't stop him. Mm. I mean, him and Farrell were playing what we expect the All Blacks to do. They were here, there, and everywhere. And one one thing that really stood out to me is also how Maritoje just took control of the game. Uh, Johnny, you wrote about him. I mean, yeah. you would you would really Maybe. hate to piss him off, wouldn't you? Because <laughs> he is a absolute specimen of a human being. I, I would, yeah. I mean, I mean, mainly because I've just written such a nice piece about him, and it, and it would it would seem a, a, a best hypocritical to, uh, <laughs> to, 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 to then go irritating him. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's one of those. Somebody replied to me on Twitter this evening saying, like, I, I only really watch like maybe two or three rugby games a year, but literally anybody can see that Otoje is a man like an amazing player. There are some players who I think whose influence maybe, you know, you need to, to be a little bit more versed in the game to, to sort of know what they know what it is they do. Um is one of those players who like you could you can show to a child again, like and, and they're just pointing out, he's the best player. <laughs> uh, you can see his influence. Yeah. yeah. It's 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 the power but it's also it's it's the intelligence but it's also kind of just being being in the spot where he needs to be, like a, a fraction of a second before anybody else realises that he needs to be there. I think his reading of the game is, is, is incredible. Yeah, there was a mall in the first half where he just seemed to get everyone out of his way. Right, I'm coming through, I'm getting that ball and you can't do anything to stop me. Yeah, I mean, you talk about players that, oh, well, you know, so-and-so was, was everywhere today. I mean, and that's not, you know, superhuman lung power or not, not just, you know, it's not just a physical thing. That's having the nows to, to, to be able to read the game and read two or three phases ahead. And what about the lineup, the set piece as well? Uh, com completely dominant. Yeah. Uh, you know, and again, he's, you feel he's purely, it's him who's responsible for that. Um, and obviously the All Blacks brought in 
um, Barrett to act as a sort of deterrent to England's line out, but it's it, they'd seen him off by half time yeah, Barrett went yeah. off well, yeah. I mean they flipped around what happened in Twickenham because Barrett came off the bench in Twickenham when England were miles ahead and, mm. and turned the game because he just started picking off uh, Jamie, jo- uh, Jamie George's troll and it, it was it was a perfect response to that I mean you see them clearly were going after the, the all black line out sorry the England line out by picking Scott Barrett yeah. and he was going to have to they missed Kane like that was a bad call Kane was brilliant last weekend yeah. He's the kind of physical. T- he, he's kind of New Zealand's uh, Etoje. Maybe he's a, maybe he's more like Curry, but he or I don't know. He's just a physical presence. He, he he's a buddy. He's, he's niggly. He's just that kind of player. That he, mm. And they, they missed him out there. And, and really, Barrett did some really good things in open play. I thought he was one of our, uh, New Zealand's better forwards. I would have taken off Metallica at time personally. Yeah. Um, he looks off the pace. But Etoje is just. He's the. He's probably the best player in the world right now. Um, and he's kind of emblematic of a kind of a more likable England. Like I mean, I, I you know, I'm not just hammering the fact that I'm on an English podcast, but this is uh, like this yeah, is such a more likable team after the old three team from from a, from a non-English perspective. I think New Zealand have been around for so long; everyone kind of was is ready for them to kind of get off the stage. And this, even though Eddie, it, you know, grates quite a lot um, from an Irish point of view, and a lot English. of the players. It's a very it's a, it's a vibrant team. They play really good rugby. Um, they're. Uh, they're just they're exciting people to watch, and I think a lot of neutrals will back them, which you know doesn't often happen with England. Yeah, I, I think what what I found really interesting as well is the return of Manu Tuilagi seemed to really put this fear of God through New Zealand. They must be sick of the sight of him. He was so crucial in 2012 that that game that they won. Straight away here, 98 seconds, he's over the line. And yeah, another try. He, he also, I mean, a lot of people forget the tour of 2014. He was really good then. Stuart Lancaster played him on the wing in one game. I mean, you see him out there and you think, how on earth can you do that? The, yeah. the guy is unstoppable when he's on, in this form and this fitness. Um, Some of his hits as well oh, today yeah. were just... Well, they're just so dominant. I mean, they're like Sar- Saracens are the same. Well, the, I've, I've been at a couple of England games this year, mostly against Ireland, and they've just been dominant in every facet of the game. And, and Tuilagi's return to fitness is probably the catalyst to the way they've turned this thing around mm. this year. He's, he's such a good player. I mean, O'Driscoll raves about him. From the 2013 Lions tour, when he didn't even—I don't know—he thinks he was on the bench for the third test, but he just said, "This guy is the real deal." His injuries were probably one of the reasons England kind of didn't quite achieve their potential for a couple of years. But they're such athletes; they're such good players. It, it takes me back to squad announcement day when we all found out Ben Teo had been bumped from the squad, and we just thought, "Why? You've invested so much time in bringing this guy over. It's because he's got his player. He's got Manu." And Eddie just thought, "I'm done. I, I just need to build a team around this bloke." Because if we've got him, our backline's going to be unstoppable. Because you can't stop him. He ran over Sonny Bill Williams. No one's done that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it was just sublime. Two other crucial players we should probably talk about: uh, Curry and Underhill. I mean, at 21, 23, that those guys are—they've got the world, or the rugby world at their feet, haven't they? They're, they're going to be incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's a really, it's a really exciting time, and, and it seems to. I mean, England seems to have been looking for a seven for. Seems like years, and, and you know, they turned up. They turned up two at once. Um, yeah, immensely. Well done, resisting the bus metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've been in we've been in Japan for a bit now, and, and the buses come exactly, yeah, exactly right people when they're supposed to come. But, you know, I, I don't know what, what they're doing to sort of regulate the service, but stuff is incredible. Yeah. yeah, they get things done. Where, where the flight to Miyazaki that they apologised because it was two minutes late, and then when we actually checked our timings, we were five minutes early. And you just think, brilliant. And then, and then it play a little bugle at the end, like Rhino. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
it's, it's, it's like the, the position they play. I mean, it's kind of an enjoy it while the last thing because sevens and jacklers get injured all the time and just you know the, the, they both had big injuries in the last couple of years. I mean, for yeah. we both fit at the same time mm. around Bunapola, mm. it's such a potent back row. Back row. I mean, Sam Kane's the perfect example there, isn't it? The fact that he's actually at this World Cup at all after a broken neck is miraculous in yeah. itself. But I, I just kind of get excited by Curry and Underhill with the interactions we've had with them. They, they are so weird. And the squad are the first to say that. One of the, the best finds that they've got within the squad is you have to take Curry and Underhill out for lunch. That, that's what they think of these two, but they know how important they are. That they, they are really well liked. Uh, if Curry gets, you know, if either of them actually if, if gets gets injured on the morning of the final, who comes in? Uh, that's a tricky one because you had you had Lewis Ludlam on the bench throughout the the he's whole a, pool stage. He's an eight, is he? No, so he, he he's more of a six. Can play seven. Can play eight. But he has predominantly featured he was good at six and seven. I wonder what he'll do next week if it is the box. I mean, I like well, the he, dropped, he dropped Ludlam and brought Wilson in. Yeah, and Wilson went bad. The box are so big that you know. I wonder if you can go double seven against them, and or do you maybe go for one of your taller, you know, kind of drop Marrow back into the back row or something more creative? Because he's, yeah. he's shown huge uh, tactical flexibility over the last couple of weeks. I mean, the way he rotated his team in and out for the quarterfinal, semi-final, I wouldn't be surprised if he had some sort of a surprise. I mean, uh, we obviously had this discussion. We had this discussion of going into this game because of the line-out threat that you could put Courtney Laws at six. Ooh. But I think the form that Curry and Underhill are showing yeah. that it outweighs any of the tactical stuff. Yeah, you need to have both. And they use Curry a lot in the line-out. So exactly, he was brilliant today. I, I thought, bearing in mind he's been pushed as the the extra option that they have, and he only had one line-out against Australia and lost it. Yeah, he was really good in the line-out. It was quite standout. Um, so if, Sam, if we go forward, mm. South Africa Wales. Yeah. They're, they're both two really exciting games for England, really, because 2007 you've got yep. all the memories of that final and you know the Mark Cueto try that never was and England's revenge mission. And then the flip side, England v Wales. How big would England versus Wales be in a World Cup final in the Northern Hemisphere? I, I wouldn't want an England-Wales <laughs> final. With, with a lot of Welsh family, it'd be unbearable. Um, <laughs> I... I don't know. From an English perspective, it's which side would you would you rather face? Because the physicality of the Springboks is clearly it's not an issue, but it's something that you have to be super aware of because they can sort of you know bat you out of the park. But the Welsh, they would be so up for it. it it'd be such a, a mind game that there'd be all of that history and the rivalry around it. it Gatlin's it, farewell as well. Yeah, exactly. It, it would it kind of take away from the. The final a little bit away. I, I don't know if that makes sense, but it, yeah. or it had another. Yeah. It, it kind of be, it'd be a different story in itself as opposed to just being a, a, like a when, rugby World Cup like final. When Chelsea played Arsenal in the Europa League final. <laughs> it just felt a little bit parochial, you know. Baku. Yeah. Can, can we take this game to Baku? <laughs> sure rugby hasn't got to Azerbaijan yet. No, no, I'm, 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 I'm sure the pot of gold is there. Yeah. But we'll, we'll speak to Brett. <laughs> in terms of performances, you, you'd back England against either side. I think against Wales. It, the, psycholo the psychological element would come more into play, I think. Who do you think is the rivalry? Who do you think England would prefer Wales. to play? Wales. Wales, yeah. Mm. Yeah, Wales. So, I think. Conor O'Shea's sorry, Sam, go. Uh, I don't know. I think maybe Springboks, South Africa, a little bit. Conor O'Shea's at the box in the most powerful team he's ever seen. He's seen a lot of good teams. Yeah. I yeah. think. I'd love to see what England would be like if they were neutralised physically and had to think their way around the game a little bit, even though they are very smart. Mm. But like, 
if yeah. the box win that battle and they're picking six two split in the bench they've got like the bomb squad they're calling their subs to come in and just physically dominate yeah. these that'll be like it could be the most brutal test match since the 099 I, I, I think wales england feel that they've got wales number even though they don't it's a, you know it was a weird one that they obviously lost the grand slam game but that's cardiff we know what cardiff does to wales yeah i've never really felt that this england team takes wales as a threat maybe that might be where they would slip up if those two teams do meet but this was very much the final for England. When was the uh, last time England played Wales on neutral turf? I think they played in 03. Was 03, 03 um, quarterfinals in Australia. No, well, yeah, so, sorry. Yeah, they met in the World Cup four years ago. Oh, it yeah, it was Twickenham, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was Twickenham. It would have been 03. I mean, Wales could have won that game. Wales would love it to hear her say this, but like, they've lost so many bodies. I, I just can't see them getting through against South Africa just because if they're down, mm. Williams, Anscombe, you know. Faletau, no Faletau at all. Yeah, I mean, and Navidi, Navidi yeah. too as well. Like that, just Williams. they're kind of the opposite of what we said earlier about England. I but I don't know. I've, I've been saying it from the start, ever since, and particularly since that, that win Australia. I, I think they've got it in the locker. I, I don't know why. You've been raving about yeah, Wales out there. Yeah, I, I think. I think it's. I've been saying earlier. I think it's, it's a mental thing. Um, at the start of the tournament, sort of Sam Walton was saying how Wales, that, that reputation of sort of being the underdogs. They've, they've dropped that and they truly believe that they belong among uh, the top table amongst the top pack and I think they've showed that in their performances so far and if, if they can and it's a big can beat South Africa then it's it's open season like you know who knows how the final will go down so, so the last thing we should discuss and this is something I'm going to write overnight but I, I want to weigh up and debate was that the greatest performance ever delivered at a World Cup because I'm struggling to think of something bigger. Well, if you think about, I mean, the ones that spring, that spring to mind, apart from, apart from, you know, final, you know, uh, or like the, the France, France against New Zealand performances yeah. in, in 99 and 07. And they were sort of like incredible results that, that I think came from like a, they almost felt a bit like burglaries in that, they, you know, they, they had really sustained periods of, of pressure in, in which they kind of they kind of ran away with a game. This this was a really proper eighty minute performance, mm. and yeah, and I don't. I mean, you guys have seen a lot more rugby than I have, but I mean, I can't, I can't really think of. I mean, England 03, yeah, fine. I, I, I thought maybe New Zealand ninety five against England, the semi final, the Jonah game. I mean, New but Zealand were really weren't the caliber of opponent at that time that New Zealand were today. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I, like, I was very young in '91, but Australia did take the All Blacks out in '91. That Australia team—I think those Australia teams that won World Cups are often forgotten. They were outstanding. Like the old three team was, or it's not all three. The '99 team was was excellent as well. One of the best defensive teams. But I mean, it, uh, certainly from an English, from an, I'd say it was the best European performance yeah. at a World Cup. And I, I, I'm struggling to see anything better than that. They just didn't lose a collision let alone enough of them to let New Zealand in the game. The fact they got, as we've said, they've got seven points, flattered New Zealand. Mm. Yeah. Given the opposition, it's, it's, you know, as they say in, in, in football parlance, it's up there. <laughs> but for, for me, me, it was, it, I think it was the, um, the, the mature aspect of the performance. Um, how, that's completely frightening. <laughs> what? Um, I mean, it led to Steve Hansen calling out a journalist in the press conference yeah. and saying, uh, okay, yeah. let's go outside and have a, a, a rugby education, yeah. which uh, was interesting. Yeah, well, this, this is a team that doesn't know how to lose because they don't lose. Yeah. And, and it was interesting to see that. 
I'm, I'm a little bit reluctant to bash them over the head with it because when you get knocked out of a World Cup semi-final, it feels, you know, I'm sure they're distraught. But and then they've also got the bronze final to pick up this Friday, which is going to be horrendous. God help whoever loses tomorrow because they're in for they're going to be hammering <laughs> and, and this, so this brings me on to the next subject, which is a nice little story I've got. Uh, I caught the flight from Oita uh, up to Tokyo with Dimitri Yashvili, who of course has third place playoff history against New Zealand from 03. And he said it was remarkable. We spent all week on the piss. We didn't train once. We were just enjoying ourselves. And so were New Zealand, except New Zealand lost to Australia. And they were angry. And they took 10 lumps out of us. And he just said, you're going to end up with that this time because one team's going to be really, really angry from this game. And the other team's probably going to put out the B team not take it seriously. Wales have already said they're not doing any media what? commitments beyond team announcement really? if they don't win. What is the point of the third place playoff? I, well, cash money. money. Cash, cash for, money. For, for what? And for who's going to buy a ticket at a third place playoff? Anyone? I think it's Japanese just, people will. They look, they, yeah. they, they, they bought tickets for everything here. Like, yeah. It's, 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 they're really enthusiastic. It's TV, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's another TV slot. I guess. Uh, it's the same I mean, with football, it's all, isn't it? It's yeah. just... Yeah. It's the game no one wants to be in, no one wants to report on, but fans will watch. The, old the only things that have a third place playoff are the football World Cup and the Rugby World Cup, to my knowledge. Euros? No, not no, the Euros. No, the Euros no. don't. They, they share third place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, they don't really call it third place. You just, you just lost it's not a thing, bronze, is it? Bronze final, is it? Yeah, I, I, I suppose in, like, you know, in, in certain Olympic sports where they need to decide who won the bronze medal, but you know, there, there's... Can, this is one of my um, my sporting gripes. Can you ever win a bronze medal? Yeah. yeah. But you don't win. You come third. You haven't won. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it, that, that's more of a semantic point. Very semantic. <laughs> that's probably not for this podcast. <laughs> we, we don't do that. I think we've covered all bases there, really. Um, obviously, Wales, South Africa, when this podcast goes out, it'll be tonight. For us, it's tomorrow. It's going to be... Well, it's not going to live up to that, surely, I don't think. It can't. say never. It can't. I don't think it can in terms of quality, but I think it can be a good game. Like France, France Wales was great last week. That was the best game in the quarter yeah. final. So if it's tight, it'll be good. It can in terms of drama. Yeah. <laughs> because you know, I, I, I think I, I reckon about 50 minutes in that England are going to win this. Something, something clicked. Oh my God, England are going to win this. And then from from there on, they would never really. I they mean, didn't look like losing, did they? Even after they conceded that try. So there, there could be a bit of intrigue and, and, and you know a little bit of seesawing and. and Cut and thrust and parry and, and that would that would be nice. Is anyone backing Wales to win or are we all going South Africa? Go box. I'm going to go Wales. You're sticking with Wales. Yeah, Fair play. Yeah. You're sticking to your guns. I, I like I it. I will. I'll back Wales. As well. Oh, yeah. Okay. Why? Why? Why do you fancy them? Well, I just I think there's a you know even though you know there, there are quite a lot of holes in their team and you know the, the weaknesses are a little bit more exposed than than maybe they were a, a year or two ago. There's I, I still. Think, there's, there's something to them. There's, they've got a, they yeah. have like a kind of. This isn't this isn't really borne out by recent history, but I think they've got a, like a, a big game mentality. I think they they will be motivated to go out there and, and put in one. I don't I don't think they've got a hope of winning a final against England, but I think they've got it in them to have one more big performance. And rugby's a funny game. You know, South Africa go down to go down to fourteen after after twenty minutes. As you know, could easily happen, and that should have been the case against Japan. Yeah, which would be an, an amazing achievement for you know a country which you know le- le- let's not forget is the size of Wales. Interesting fact for you: 
the population of Wales goes through Shinjuku Station every day. That would be an excellent stat if That's I hadn't uh, brought it up on an earlier podcast. Why, why would they? Uh, <laughs> I, t- I told you that, surely. I, I definitely told well, you that. Already on the way. What, why, why is, what exactly? Why is the population of Wales making Shinjuku Station? It's, uh, they might have to get to a World Cup final. The equivalent. And on that note, it is the perfect time to sign off. Um, We'll we'll have another podcast, a post-semi-final podcast tomorrow to dissect Wales versus South Africa. Another one. Another one. Well, are you even coming to the game and you're accredited? Like two, yeah, I'm in the one. On, on Wednesday, you weren't. Have you sorted that? I'm I, saw, I, know, I sorted it. I okay. sorted it. Okay. I, I emailed. Um, what's his face? Bernie. 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 Bernie's been great. Bernie. Bernie's been a very big help. Um, so yeah, you're you're probably going to be roped into that. Uh, we'll find another establishment to host that in. Yeah. Uh, Rory. You're more than welcome to join us again, but yeah, thank you very much. I can off in the wrong stop again tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Jer- Jerry Formley is still wandering the streets of Yokohama, wondering well, where to go. We can explain why like, there's been sort of 90s pop music playing in the background this whole time. I, I, I was hopefully going to avoid that, and okay. then we'll just we'll mix it into every podcast now, and oh, yeah, we'll stop yeah, doing yeah. playlists. I quite like Johnny's theory about it being now. I, well, it's not. It's no, not, there was a bit of Ed and then after. So. Oh, there was, wasn't there? Yeah. Because after Savage Garden, which I think was 98.9, they played Charles and Eddie, which is 90, 93, 94 latest. So. Just now 90s. Yeah, yeah. The definitive now 90s. I Mine said cheering. And on that note, uh, we'll wrap up the podcast there. Um, remember, you can download this episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you listen. Do the, um, we'll, yeah, do the watches again? Or? I don't at the end, no, I don't think. But, but, I mean, get, get the two to watch. I mean, I, I mean, they didn't get the break, so you, you can also uh, listen to this podcast whilst uh, acknowledging the, the fine beauty and finesse put into a Tudor watch. Uh, I'll the, tell you, I, I, my, my watch is, I, 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 I took my watch into an onsen, and and it's, well, mistake. basically, it's, it's um, yeah, it's steamed up, and, it's, and now, like about a week later, it's totally stopped working. So I, I wish I'd bought a Tudor watch, personally. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm now ruining my decision not to buy a Tudor watch. So, so, so you listeners, um, you next time you think about buying a watch, you just think about the consequences of not buying a Tudor watch, and and just think on that because you know don't don't find yourself in a position that I now find myself in, which is watchless in Japan. I, I think this would be perfect message if it wasn't the Tudor's ambassador for this tournament, Bowden Barrett. <laughs> and on that note that's all for this episode we'll see you again next time goodbye Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a US-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.